Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma and Zach Celedonia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name is Joe Kuzba and joined back here for some Monday morning quarterbacking on this Victory Monday by a one Zach Flash. So, you what's going on, my friend? Ding dong. The witch is dead. Witch, oh, witch. The wicked witch. <laughs> the witching hour. The which way, which way did he go? Um, I haven't been able to be on. I haven't talked to you since we got rid of Canada, dude. I'm could not be happier right now. As evidence from yesterday's game, vibes are high right now. Vibes are very high. And there were a lot of folks that were out there. What could possibly change? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it looked, it was so like dismal. You finally been on and we were trying to find like the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And it was just like, oh, there's nothing there. By the way, the light at the end of that tunnel was, I don't know what I ate or ate too much at Thanksgiving. It was a good thing I recorded. I didn't have Brian or anybody on it. It's like, oh, just do it solo. It's a holiday weekend. I'm not going to bother anybody, but I got to, I got to be there for the people. Right. And man, I was sick as a dog Friday. Like Black Friday was Black Friday and some other colors, maybe. It was just nasty, man. Oh, and it's funny because then when your stomach's hurting, like in that situation, and you want to go anywhere like to shop and to get something for relief, either one, you're elbow to elbow with all the nutcases looking for the Turbo Man doll, or there's none on the shelf. <laughs> it's just like everybody else was uh, having the same thoughts. So, uh, you know, sorry to Brian. I know Brian wants to pontificate about some things. We'll go right into this one just because it's fresh in my brain. We've got a lot to talk about with this game as to whether anything would change with the Steelers offense. Of course, 400 yards for the first time in over 50. It took 59 games, 58 games without 400 yards of offense. You immediately now that wasn't all Mac Canada. Okay. That's the only defense I'll have for him. This was going back to Randy Spinkter. Spinkter. I almost got his name wrong. Uh, I, I don't, I shouldn't make fun of his name, but that was pretty bad there too, where the guy thought every throw was a run let Ben throw the ball 55 times. And then his arm fell off the next season. So Steelers historically bad at offense, but the video circulating around today, there's still people who just can't be happy with the win, can't be happy with this, that, or the other thing. Two situations back-to-back -back here with Deontay Johnson. You start the game out. They should have had more points than what was actually on the scoreboard where this ended, if it worked, the scoreboard, which, by the way, this happened in Cincinnati last year. I'm not sure if it happens with other teams because I don't watch every Cincinnati Bengals game, but they had a problem with the ribbons on the scoreboard last year, too. Um, it, it, last year or the year before, one of the last two trips to the Steelers, I was not there yesterday. I wanted to go. And then I looked at the weather forecast. You want to talk about fair weather fan. It was like this nasty cold rain. So for these guys to play in it, I thought, man, this could be a sloppy game. Just what you need for Jake Browning, a backup quarterback to be able to make any kind of foothold here. So, so for the Steelers to have 400 yards of offense in this slop was something. Deontay Johnson has what probably should have been called a touchdown on the field and then sent to booth review or video review, instant replay, whatever you want to call it. Instead, the officials, for whatever reason, always, they, I don't know, that they get like a bonus if they actually get it right on the field versus just getting it right, period. The NFL is a very goofy place. I know there's a lot of talk about Mike Tomlin not challenging this play. 
if you're in Cincinnati, they're not going to show you a replay. They're probably showing you some crappy black and orange Bengal stripe things on the scoreboard instead. And there's just not enough time with the play clock running and everything else. You're that early in the game. Our timeouts, how valuable, how valuable are challenges to you? It doesn't have like the right spotter, depending on where your vantage point is on the field, because Tomlin and a lot of those guys, Mike Sullivan and that, they're on the field, whoever could be in his ear. There's a lot of reasons I can't fault for challenging the play. I fault the officials for not calling it a touchdown in the first place because it was like, oh, that's a touchdown. And then a dude knocked it out of his hands when he was already out of bounds, which Gene Steratore was doing the, uh, he's the you know, in-game referee, former referee, rules analyst, confirms that. You go right back around to this, and this is like, uh-oh, here we go again. Jalen Warren, this is one of the the faults of with Jalen Warren, one of your only complaints that there could be with Jalen Warren, right? Ball security. Wet, slippery ground. He's always trying for those extra yards, which means he's not always down by contact. But Deontay Johnson during this, a lot of people caught that he's just standing there with like his hands in his pockets. And I'm like, that's a bad look. But let's think about it. You put yourself in Deontay's shoes. Now, he said he didn't see it. And some people are like, are you going to give him the benefit of the doubt? I mean, I do. I think he thinks that the play was dead. I think he's gonna, somebody's going to get in his ear that play until there's a whistle blown, right? That's my complaint about it. Kind of one of those lazy things. Okay, he doesn't really block. Dude just got tagged with a penalty, didn't he? The game before against the Browns for... You have these late developing plays where... You go and you get out there and you engage with the opponent, with the defender, and then you're getting tagged with, you know, whatever, holding, uh, offensive pass interference, any number of those uh, type of calls. Illegal man downfield if you're offensive lineman. One of the many problems of the Matt Canada offense, right? So curious to hear your thoughts with Deontay Johnson because I'm willing to give benefit of the doubt here that he thought, even if he did see it, that the play was dead. And he's also probably pretty PO'd that that wasn't called a touchdown just to play earlier. Now he's got to trot his way back, get in the huddle, go back out, et cetera, et cetera, going through the motions. You know what I mean? I, it's just, it's it, to me, it's just, you're, you're, you're human sometimes, right? It shouldn't be that one little piece shouldn't, um, shouldn't carry over. Or should I say into people who are going to be talking about it all week, as you know. No. And then Deontay came right back. Uh, the next series, I believe it was, and made a great catch on a beautiful pass from Kenny Pickett uh, up the sideline for for a huge game. So he stayed in the game, which is what you want to see, especially when attitude and effort is coming into into question. But I, I'm a little torn on the Deontay thing because that that touchdown that wasn't. If he just controls the catch to the ground and doesn't let it pop out, there's no question about, oh, was it a catch? Was it not? Exactly. Did the Steelers get screwed? Did Deontay get screwed? Like, just finish the catch, dude. And it's tough because I feel like the group of people that are saying, well, Tomlin should have challenged it. Tomlin's so bad at challenging. I'm not here to argue about Tomlin's record as far as challenging is concerned because it's pretty well known he's not the best at it. But my thing is that's such a ticky tack call and we still have no clue what, what a real catch is in the end zone and controlling it to the ground and getting three steps in instead of two steps. Now, like there's no guarantee that if Tomlin throws that flag, that they win the challenge. It, it's that vague because we've, we've heard guys like Gene Steratore or whoever be the um, TV person. Now they've 
retired from refereeing and now they're on TV and they'll explain to the commentators, oh, this is what I saw. This is what the call should be. They'll have their expert commentator up there saying that and it still won't go how the guy is seeing it. So Gene Steratore, even though he said I would have personally called it a catch, that's no guarantee that the crew on the field would have called it a catch. My point is just catch the ball. We're not having this conversation. The real shame in it was it was a perfect pass from Kenny. It would have capped off a really exciting first drive or, or second drive for the Steelers that thankfully didn't end up totally killing the momentum for the game, but they had a chance there to really make a stamp on how the game was going to go, and it, it didn't go according to plan. Um, fortunately, like I said, though, it didn't kill the Steelers. Uh, as far as the fumble is concerned, that that's always a hard thing to evaluate because it is possible he didn't see the ball. It is possible that by the time he was aware of what was happening, that the Bengals defender was already 10 yards up the field. You want to see him make a better effort. You don't know how he's being coached up on that run play to purposefully just walk his guy off or engage in a block. So I can't give that much of an informed take on the effort that was given or not given on the fumble. But I, I do uh, wish he just would have caught the touchdown pass. It would have made everything a lot easier if he just would have caught the ball and controlled it to the ground. I I'm not coming down too hard on him because he did help the Steelers win the game in the end, uh, talking about Deontay. But um, you want to talk about bad luck. I think he might have been having a couple drinks after the game or something because Deontay was on Twitter, X, whatever, hooting and hollering, replying to everybody, searching his name. And that's not something you want to do, dude, because you do still have some people on your side that are trying to give you the benefit of the doubt and trying to uh, not be hard on you. But you don't want to go on Twitter arguing with fans after a win, especially. Yeah, the good old... The good old X, which I was thinking, I was like, is this thing like um, breaking my machine before we were getting uh, online here? Uh, oh, one more thing about the challenge. Oh, yeah. I understand Tallman's hesitancy to challenge if he was told or not to maybe take a second look at it. You're talking about an AFC North game here uh, on the road, i.e. it's going to be a close game. It's going to come down to one possession. Every timeout matters. It, I can understand the hesitancy challenging when you really aren't sure it wasn't like a for sure thing if Tomlin challenges that we get the touchdown yeah I agree with that um you're gonna have some people that are gonna be ticked just that you mentioned it to AFC North and could come down to like one score with backup quarterback uh it backup did, quarterbacks in play uh, the weather like that's why I was bringing up the weather situation from the start and I'm not I know both teams have to play in it but anything can happen you see the ball bounce uh mysterious ways in fact twice did it bounce in mysterious ways into jamar chase's hands which is just like man how lucky can somebody get you know what i mean why doesn't it bounce this way instead of that way and just, they were both so close oh. to being great plays for the steelers i venture to say they were still good plays on the defender's part because michael walker you tip that ball like that the first one that's an interception nine out of ten times from whoever's behind him and then DeMonte Casey dropped the pick right through his hands. That probably was weather-induced. The wet ball right through uh, both of his hands into Jamar Chase's hands. Yeah, it doesn't get luckier than that. They didn't draw it up like that. We'll put it that way. Yeah, for sure. Oh, there's there's a lot of good things to talk about with this game, though. That's why I wanted to get that negative stuff out of the way. I mean, oh, there was some... What's that? I said, oh, yeah, plenty. It's almost, it's almost more impressive that the offense had its most impressive day 
through the air, especially, uh, and overall yardage total, especially, in poor conditions. I mean, it wasn't hurricaning out there, but it was raining. It was wet. It was windy. Not good conditions for an offense, and the Steelers looked the best they have in 58 games. And that's the thing. I know people are going to say 16 to 10. That's why I bring up the De De Deontay Johnson, that drive, 10 plays, 51 yards, uh, would have been, let's say, I think it finished on the Cincinnati 15, so it would have been about 66, 67 uh, yards before that fumble had the TD stood. That would have been a really nice, like, you know, uh, nine plays, 65 yards or whatever with a touchdown pass on Pickett's stat line, which is that's Great what's drive. missing. Great drive. That's what's missing, but you got a two-headed beast of a rud game that's going on, and you've got uh, some receivers now. There's a, there's things that have definitely changed. The plays may not have 100% changed, but maybe the way that they're executed, crisper, they've thrown out maybe some of the junk. There's still some stuff that's in there. The play calling a lot smoother. There wasn't anything in a specific spot where I was just like, Ugh. you get upset when guys get snuffed out and they lose yards and stuff like that, but Charles Davis said it pretty well. Najee Harris here has 15 carries, 99 yards. He has the 6'6 average here where Jalen Warren comes a little bit more down to earth in this game. 13 carries, 49 yards, 3.8, almost up to four, respectable. He had a couple of uh, – he's still he, – I'm not going to like rain on Warren's parade. These two, I think what it is is what I'm trying to say. I wish Najee would have got to 100 too, so then you could be like, wow, three games in a row with a 100-yard rusher, but over 100 yards total as a, as a tandem, again, 153 yards. There's a lot of uh, influence with the Steelers' rookies too, which we can get into because obviously a lot of this has been behind Broderick Jones, but Eddie Faulkner, like I think we were maybe talking, I might have talked about this in the pregame, I can't remember, but my thought was, well, who's Eddie Faulkner? Well, he's the running back's co position coach, right? Who's he going to get the ball to? The guys that he trusts. What has been the only thing that's been working for the Steelers as of recent? The run game. So uh, Charles Davis points out, out of the pistol or under center with Kenny Pickett, which we were seeing him not even go under center some. We really didn't see play action in this game. We were kind of waiting for it maybe. But they didn't get too fancy, whereas if you saw the Browns and Broncos and they tried a couple gadget plays and the one failed miserably with a fumble, it was like a double, uh, double pitch. And it was just like, this game was just Najee downhill running. Not this, let's bounce them to the outside, et cetera. Mostly finding the hole, I felt. Jalen Warren got some tough sledding where he needed to be. It's not like Jalen Warren was running for two yards per carry either. It was not that, like 3.8 is respectable. Yeah, he falling, and he was falling forward like he always yeah. does. Yeah. Warren falls forward and him and Najee are both pretty good at that, uh, which is what you want to see from physical runners. You know, Warren has that extra gear uh, to give him a little bit more speed. But the both of them are physical running backs and they're good at falling forward, which the Steelers are running the ball a lot better now. But when your offense is struggling with like the Steelers have for so long, having a running back that under <clears throat> pardon me, sorry that understands the value of falling forward and getting those last few yards, it can be very beneficial for your offense. And uh, Warren and Najee, yeah, they're a great match for what the Steelers want to do. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the rush of the running attack. Pickett still threw the ball 33 times in this game. I said this would limit him to maybe like 25 or whatever. The team in general, offensively, first half, they just the points weren't on the board, and you had uh, you had the turnover, you had like the one drive. You're gonna, it's you're playing another pro team. You're gonna give up one drive, even the backup quarterbacks. You're gonna give up that one drive here or there. 
Steelers, 22 total first downs when this is all said and done. But then the first half, hold on a second. I had the first half summary. It was just kind of like, I don't even want to say a tale of two halves because this game starts out, boom, straight down the seam to Pat Fryermuth. All of a sudden it was like, giddy up, let's go. You know what I mean? It felt more like Pickett's passes. It felt like what we saw in the preseason. It felt like what we saw in training camp. It felt like decisive. It felt like... I didn't feel like too much was off. There were some balls that didn't go where we wanted them to, but that's because they had like BJ Hill or, or DJ reader or whoever, like all, a Trey Hendrickson. Somebody has, has their arm on him, gets a finger on the ball. There's a lot of, there that were, there that were two passes in particular that he one hopped to the receiver. I think mm -hmm. one was to Deontay. The other was to Firemuth. And, um, the broadcast team was great. They Charles Davis and, uh, Eagle. I, they, yeah, uh, I and Eagle. Yep. I and Eagle. They they went right to the replay of the defensive line, either hitting Kenny Pickett on his forearm, his elbow, his his chest, doing something to mess up the trajectory and his throwing motion that resulted in just like a horrible pass. But it's almost like a get out of jail free card when that happens because nobody was coming down on Kenny for those throws because he he his arm got knocked. So those were two pretty bad passes. But again, there was legitimate excuse behind those two misses. I think I counted one or two more that he just airmailed. But considering what we've seen this year thus far and what we saw yesterday, night and day difference and day. from Kenny Pickett. I, yeah. I wish so bad he would have got a touchdown because that might have even gotten some of the non-believers and the haters to come on over. But if you're looking at it from an unbiased perspective and i know we're both biased i'm very biased i'll admit it i want yeah. kenny pickett to be good yeah yesterday was like all i wanted all season long was the steelers to win a game and for kenny pickett to play good enough that it wasn't a talking point of like yeah the steelers won but kenny pickett still sucks that wasn't the case yesterday at all we're talking big time throws here middle of the field yeah play action wasn't utilized as much as you would hope but i'm gonna give them points because the middle of the field it's like they sat kenny pickett down like torture style and taped his eyelids open and we're like hey kenny you see this big green space in the middle of the field we're allowed to throw there and i don't think it's any coincidence that the first game pat fryermuth is probably really 100 percent healthy since his injury he is a huge factor in the game plan and i don't know if it was because of the offense's lack of commitment to him in the beginning of the year kenny in canada or if it was him missing games due to injury but I think there was a general like lapse of memory of realizing and remembering how good Pat Firemuth really is. When he's involved in the offense, he he is very, very good. Yeah. There was a point where the Bengals had no answer for him. He was open on every play. One of those one hops I just mentioned, one of the bad passes from Kenny, that was on like a second and 15, second and 20. And if Kenny hits Firemuth there, we're like in third and short situation. So even the plays he didn't make, he was open and and Kenny was making the right reads. And the guy, I haven't seen a Pittsburgh tight end perform like that in years. And they have that now in their offense. And hopefully they remember to utilize him going forward because how could you not after, after yesterday's performance? And I'll say this too, the poor conditions, the rain, the wind, the wet balls, it makes what Fryermuth did all the more impressive because it, a lot of those were hands catches. And uh, he's a talented player, and the Steelers have to continue to use Yeah, the only thing missing was some points in that first half because yeah. uh, your um, your possession was punt, 
the Jalen Warren fumble, uh, a Chris Boswell field goal, eight plays, 66 yards. I mean, eight plays, 66 yards is still like this offense. If you go back to October, you'd be like, oh, it, that's not the Steelers offense. You're showing like anything over like three or four plays and they're out usually. Right. And let us, and, and let us give thanks real quickly. Cause I don't want to forget about this. Cause we're about to get way past this, but let us give thanks to Connor Hayward because Deontay Johnson's Deontay Johnson's lack of effort aside, Connor Hayward was the only thing standing in between the end zone and that Bengals defender. Kenny Pickett was on his horse too. He was running, but if he gets around Connor Hayward, there's a really good chance that defender shakes Kenny Pickett or he gets blown up by a defender blocking for the guy and they score a touchdown. Connor Hayward did his best big Ben impression and made a, a really important tackle. Cause I'm pretty sure the Bengals got no points off that drive or just three, one of the two. Oh, uh, let's see here. No, they, that gave him a short feel. Let me see here. Uh, no, they got a punt off of that one. Then they had the short field after that, where they started at the, um, nice. at their own yeah, 47. So Connor so, saved this point. Yeah. I didn't want it, You know, these things sometimes like run together and I don't want to get too lost in first half. First half. Kenny Pickett was still good. 13 and 19, 150 yards and 92 rating only took the one sack. Fryermuth carved them up. Most of his damage. He finishes this game. Oh, let's see here. Uh, you get 120, 120 yards. nine catches, 120 yards. However, five of those receptions for 89 in the first half, uh, just, just blowing them up. Um, let's when see. You have a guy like that. Use him, use him in the middle of the field. He's a mismatch nightmare. That's what they mean. When people talk about that, they're talking about Pat Fryer move on a linebacker. Yep. And 79 yards on the ground for that first half also. So fairly consistent overall when you take a look at the larger picture where the Steelers finished with 153 on the ground. Like I said, 99 and 49 respectively from uh, Harrison Warren. By the way, 99 is the most uh, yards that Najee Harris has run for this season in a single game. So that's a, that's a season high. It's, God damn, man. So close to that. I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Couldn't be closer physically. And by the way, Kenny Pickett, 24-33, finishes 72.7% completion-wise, 278 yards, just shy of a 300-yard game that's very elusive for him as well. Once again, no interceptions. And, oh, I had it pulled for me. So he has gone um, seven straight starts without a turnover. And this is according. This is from uh, CBS Sports. Pull it up here. There we go. I've got the, the fancy stuff. He's gone seven straight QB starts without turnover. There isn't a single quarterback with a longer streak since 2018. And that would have been Aaron Rodgers with eight. So that is um, quite impressive itself. So there's a lot of streaks that are breaking here. I also saw something where this was the most offensive yards, not only topping the 400, but the most output the Steelers had since I think playing the Denver Broncos in 2018 or was it the uh, Saints it was one of those late season games where you know Antonio Brown didn't have his meltdown after so the Saints um, was very high scoring and yeah. the Denver game was when Juju had a 97 yard touchdown I remember specifically so both are possible candidates I did see right before we jumped on the show here there was a, a listener he, he tagged you myself and Brian in a stat that was the Steelers finished in top five total offensive yardage this week and the guy said uh the guy who tweeted us was like i wouldn't uh think it's too crazy to, to suggest that might be the first time that's happened uh in like two years that the steelers finish top five in the nfl 
and, and yards. There it is. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Right there. Cynical Optimist. He sends me some DMs every now and then. Good shout out. Uh, a great uh, viewer, listener, supporter, wherever you might be might be at and give you a little shout out, but uh, fifth most. Um, and you have Buffalo, and Buffalo went to OT with yeah. the Eagles for that game. Uh, the Rams, <laughs> well, that was an ugly game. Uh, Rams are beating up. That Jacksonville-Houston game was something, too. So Yeah, I hate uh, when a good game like Jacksonville-Houston is going on and the Steelers are playing because I can't pay it any attention. <laughs> yeah. I, try, I try to pull up highlights in my fantasy team, and I'm like, dude, I can't even – like read what I'm seeing here because I'm just thinking about the Steelers. I have three TVs in my living room. Nice. Okay. So I've Flex. got like, I've got like, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, dab, you know, um, we got, I've got like, uh, two, uh, two smaller, they're like 24 inch that sit in a bookcase and I'll throw on like red zone and usually like whatever I might be able to pull off the antenna or if I Chromecast to it, I got Chromecast hooked up. So I had like there there weren't that many games going because there were the Thursday games, the Black Friday game and stuff. So there wasn't a whole lot at the same time. But you're absolutely right. It's like unless there's a commercial break, like I pretty much am ignoring what goes on. The Steelers game actually finished earlier and I was able to catch the end of that Jacksonville and Houston game. Man, was that a shootout? And that was it was so loud in Houston. It was like it was wild. Um, it probably would have been a different environment in Cincinnati, maybe even with more Steelers fans had the weather been a little better. I saw a lot of gray backs to chairs uh, throughout that game to the seats. It's just it's miserable. It's a holiday weekend. That was part of my thing, too. I just they just lost their quarterback. But... They saw. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I can understand yeah. actually why even Bengals fans didn't want to go because they hate us, but they know as well as anyone their season's cooked. So. I can understand the lack of attendance. Yeah, I was trying to find here. Um, the Denver Broncos loss was 527 yards back in 2018. Mm. That would have been, but that would have been week 12. So this had to be the Saints game, uh, week 16, December 23rd. If you remember the Joe Hayden phantom pass interference calls. I Elvin remember Kamara. it well. Yeah, 429 yards. And that would have been... Uh, that sounds about right, man. Uh, wow. I mean, it's just, it, it's so hard to believe it took that long, even with Ben, even that was the first year Randy Fickner as the offensive coordinator. He took pre elbow over. injury, Ben. Yeah, too. That's pre- when Ben was still viewed as like really good. Yeah. And you still had, uh, you still had Antonio Brown. James Conner was selling out um, his jersey everywhere. 12 touchdown season, just missed a thousand yards that one himself. So, uh, yeah, the offense though definitely looks a lot different. I wish they could have got George Pickens maybe a little more involved, but um, hey, that last catch saved a lot of people. I'm talking yeah. about Steeler fans, George Pickens, and Tomlin, all included, because I'm happy that George Pickens had a good game by his account, and uh, he was able to make a big clutch catch in the end. But without that play, he might have been upset. Fortunately, he wasn't. So I'm not going to get upset about a hypothetical, but I think it's a good thing that he got involved in some way. And he recovered the onside kick. So, oh, he, he played a big oh role. man, that deserves like its own like category. I was going to go start talking about Darnell Washington, anyways, getting involved in this game. Uh, a catch or two here. Where was Darnell? He just had the one for 10, but he wasn't going to be denied. And had it been a little bit cleaner, the, the oh, mechanics it was awesome. of it, yeah, the first he down a further. Yeah. Just dragging people. It was like almost all of a sudden, like, what are you? And is this like a building for ants? Like, get out of here. <laughs> like, Looking like the guy, uh, I must break you. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Yvonne Drago, I must, I will break you. But, uh, 
he grabs George Pickett. He realizes, like, I don't think Pickett's necessarily had that ball 100% clean. The conditions and whatever is the hands team. I mean, the dude catches anything, but he's got guys breathing down on him, and Washington just, like, bear hugs him and then makes sure that nobody else is getting to him or the football. And good luck moving him. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I, I thought that I, that was very – that special teams play was very well executed by the Steelers overall and a great awareness, yet another rookie. I was like – I didn't give Broderick Jones his due because all of this has been happening with Broderick Jones as a right tackle. Dan Moore still has like his eh. Mason Cole still has his eh. But it's like now you got one of those pieces at least kind of cemented. And, you know, now the machine's running a lot better. The Steelers are able to move the football. They're able to keep Kenny upright. Kenny's clock was still off a little bit. They made mention of that. I mean, uh, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis have had like maybe – four out of the last five or six Steelers games on the call with CBS. And so they've seen them a lot. So a lot of times you get these crew, these uh, broadcast crews and they, they don't know like their source material. And it's like, no, these guys have been watching this game. Like, you know, uh, they've been in within it. So they've been, yeah, I think Charles Davis different. has had us for three straight weeks. Yeah. Something, something very close to that. But um, Kenny Pickett again uh, ends with a 97.8 QB rating on third down against the Cincinnati Bengals, we get to use this when it's when it benefits us. Just remember, it's pro football focus. 10 of 14, 165 yards, two big time throws, 110.7 passer rating. Uh, that is clutch. We said he has the clutch gene. Everybody King said they down. wanted to see it. Yeah, and uh, he bro broke the Steelers' uh, record for consecutive uh, pass attempts without a, an interception. I mean, so when you're thinking about like think about Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger there. I mean, that's that's pretty big and people still want to like knock now. Was he throwing it down the field? Well, in this game he was. 10 biggest plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Fourth quarter, 43 yards to George Pickens. Uh and there's a sec second Nine. quarter, second quarter pass to Deontay Johnson for 39. Oh, by the way, to George Pickens, a little salt in the wounds for Mike Hilton there. Oh, yeah, it was on Hilton's head. Yeah, that was great. On Hilton's head. <laughs> Sounds like a vacation spot. DJ Turner <laughs> got smoked, though, for, and he should have for the TD as well. But that was 39 yards. Another big play, Pat Fryermuth, uh, a recipient of two of these in the first quarter. One for 29 and another for 24 from Kenny Pickett. Najee Harris had a couple of long runs as well. One for 22, one for 20. Friermuth, uh, a 16-yard reception in the second. Pickett with a short left pass to Jalen Warren, who wasn't as involved in the pass game, but he gets 15 yards as he could squirt out and make things happen. And then the final two were a 13-yard run right Najee Harris and uh, Kenny Pickett finding Deontay Johnson for 12 yards once again on Mike Hilton. So those were all the biggest plays and we're used to it being more like on the Bengals side of it, where like their biggest plays were, you know, on the bottom half of this 16, 14, 11, 11, 10 and eight yards. So uh, kudos to the Steelers offense there. I, yeah. I wish Pickens could get a little more involved, but I, I understand it. It's not always, it, it's, it's, it's like a feast or famine thing. And it's nice to have different weapons to distribute uh, across to, so, yeah, entirely. With the Steelers' offense, all of a sudden, yeah. has a good problem. They already had this problem, but they weren't able to execute or, or, or find the right way to get the guys involved. But you have three legitimate, like, really good weapons in Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, and George Pickens. And then you have complementary pieces like 
Connor Hayward and the running backs. And there, there's options to look at for Kenny Pickett. Calvin Austin, I don't know why he's been so factored out of the offense lately, but there was another guy, uh, Allen Robinson, for what he is at this point in his career. He's a reliable set of hands. So they have the arsenal. They, they have the ability to spread the ball around like you saw yesterday and make plays with their pass catchers. I think whenever you have an offense like the Steelers have right now where it's still growing and finding its groove and granted they have the playmakers, it's going to be hard to have a game like Pat Fryermuth had yesterday. I'm talking nine catches, 120 yards and find the way to incorporate somebody else having a day like that. You're still going to have plays like Deontay, George Pickens still had big catches, but it seems like when your offense is still growing and developing, you're going to see one of those guys go off and the rest of the team play a supporting role. It's just how it goes. If, if they're able to find a game where Deontay and George Pickens both go for 100 yards, great. Uh, but that might be more of a 2024 goal. Yeah, I agree. It's it's finally good to get tight ends involved, though, in the middle of the field. Oh, yeah. And everything like that. Hey, just a couple fun things before I jump over to the Steelers defense. Let's see. Um, I saw you tweet out something, and so did Mike Pursuta, a very respected person of the Steelers media. The old Escaloser there, if you've never seen it at what's <laughs> now Paycor Stadium. Everybody leaving before the onside kick was even sorry. They I all still look can't. so sad. So you can like see them. You're like a mile away. You can still see them hanging their heads as yeah. they go. <laughs> Mike just a was lack in a, of movement and just Mike was in a me. yeah Mike like lemmings uh Mike was in a uh in a dry spot there taking that film too <laughs> so in the tunnel uh, yeah, he actually tweeted out something pretty cool um, this morning. He said that the Ravens entered week 12 number 1 in rushing with 155.1 yards per game and the Steelers are averaging 174 over their last four after the 153 they had against Cincinnati yesterday. And none of it gained versus top 10 run D as of week 12, still more than enough to prove again that they have a running game. Yeah, it's pretty, not a fluke. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, he mentioned something about consistent use of the three tight ends and the one-on-one -on -one mat, uh, matches. But it's like you, you play who you play. And he's kind of saying like some people are going to discredit, well, they played Jake Browning. Or what do you think the Baltimore Ravens basically have been playing? Like that's all I've been mentioning about all year is they've been getting a kind of a good luck of the draw up until like yesterday. And then you got, you know, there's teams that there's a – I'm going to get on my horse here now for a second about being biased and Steelers and whatever. Because you got a lot of people that were talking about the Steelers. Oh, they're going to be in the basement. They're going to suck. The Browns, the Bengals, the Ravens. That's where it's at. The Chargers, this this Josh McDaniels, Raiders team, the AFC West, like the Jets with Aaron Rodgers. That one more or less due to injury. But I, I've watched that Chargers game, man. And I don't know how Brandon Steely's, how he still has a job even after last year. They let him stay. And Justin Herbert, it's like, what's this guy done? And he's getting hurt. And he's getting banged up. And then you see he's not making some of the throws. And he, it, they have like more than a complement of weapons there as well. And I just see too, though, even despite all of those turnovers and everything that the Ravens were able to get and how poor the offensive line play was for the LA Chargers, the Ravens are certainly beatable and they've got some tough sledding ahead too. So we literally beat them. We and, beat and, them. So yeah, and they're, that's they're the very other beatable. thing too is like this isn't like some giant hill to climb for the Steelers. Have a win against everybody in the division. They now have three AFC North wins. They're three and one. 
had you not had Matt Canada last week, they probably win if the offense plays one or two drives even as well as they did in this game. Like you get, they just couldn't even move the football, which was so pathetic. And uh, you watch what happened with the Broncos then, which I think is also a byproduct of he played the Steelers and that game is just brutal AFC North football. Then they have to travel to the West coast. That didn't really help the Browns. DTR gets knocked out of that game, but man, the Broncos just said, we're going to run the football and there's nothing you could do about it. And they went out there and did it with Samaje P Ryan and Javante Williams. And so there's like blueprints out there to beat these teams. Now the Steelers don't have another game set up with the Browns unless they should have a rematch in the postseason. But of course it could come down to the wire last game of the year in Baltimore against the Ravens, the way things are playing out. Should the Steelers not fall flat on their face, which I, you know, as long as the offense keeps showing this progress, I know the points weren't there. I know some smart asses in the media, like Colin Dunlap and um, Andrew Filipponi, they're taking their shots and they're like, with Canada, six, 16 points per game or 16.6 without Canada, uh, 16 points. And it's like, did you guys it's clickbait, like, dude, it's clickbait. Oh they're my just- God, it's so bad. They got a job to do. It's not a job I would like to do personally, but and it's not what I stand for, but it doesn't take a whole lot of wherewithal to know that if Deontay Johnson just keeps his feet in or catches the ball and scores, you're looking at 23-10, 24-10. People feel a lot better about that. The fact of the matter is the offensive improvements weren't reflected on the scoreboard, but it was reflected on the field. It just takes a pair of functioning eyeballs to see that. And you know, people want to give the Steelers a hard time and they want to give them shit about backup quarterbacks and losing the backup quarterbacks and playing to the level of a backup quarterback. I do it myself. We all kind of know that whenever the Steelers have a backup quarterback on the schedule, it's heightened awareness. We're, we're in code orange. Like we know that like we're susceptible to giving these guys a career day. So when they beat a guy like that, you got to give them credit. If, if it's a national joke out there, and it is that the Steelers play poorly against backup quarterbacks, when they beat one, you got to give them the credit for beating them. And the Browns, I'm not celebrating injury, but not only do they have a serious issue at quarterback, but they lost Miles Garrett Miles yesterday to yeah. uh, what he said was a pop in his shoulder. Now, I'm not a doctor, but hearing a pop is one of the worst things you can hear. So I don't know how long Garrett's going to be on the shelf for, but yesterday alone, even though the Browns beat the Steelers most recently, yesterday alone, the Steelers jumped the Browns in the playoff seeding. We went from seventh seed on Friday morning to the fifth seed uh, as of this morning. So we're comfortably in the wild card right now. And I think the Steelers are going like this up and the Browns are going like this. And I've long said I'm welcome. I, I am very open to the idea of the Steelers matching up with an AFC North opponent in the playoffs. That'd be my ideal scenario, actually, was to get the Browns or the Ravens in the playoffs because I know we can beat them. We've done it many times. We've done it this year. I'd much rather play either of them in the playoffs than any other AFC team right now. So um, any a, any other AFC playoff team, I mean. So I get it. People want to take the wind out of the Steelers' sails, and they want to bring people back down to earth. But this is the best we have been. This is the best spot we've been in all season long. So it's reason to celebrate, and I'm going to celebrate. Yeah, man. And look at it. Seven and four it should really be eight and three. And I remember when, again, I go back to the predictions where I had Brian, we had him almost going like 13 and three. And it's like, that's just not realistic. You have it on paper. Cause that's the way you felt the offense might play. And lo and behold, you know what I mean? There they are four four lost team. And now people are looking 
Uh, I saw some of my friends online a- after these games yesterday or this morning, and they're like, "Steelers are going to f around and end up in the playoffs, aren't they?" And it's like they pretty much just need three wins, and they should be there because yeah. like all the teams that are still in contention are still going to have to play each other and kind of cannibalize themselves. They might come down to a tight race. I like I, I find it hard to believe that a ten win team wouldn't make it, and they already have three division wins. If they could pick up one more against Cincinnati or Baltimore, even if they're four and two in the division, I think that should get them at least second place in the division, et cetera, et cetera. And those are AFC games too, you know? So within the conference, wild card, et cetera, et cetera. Their hardest um, game back, uh, not hardest game back, but the best quarterback they face by a lot of accounts is the NFC opponent, Kyler Murray. Uh, not yeah. kind of Lamar Jackson at the end of the year, but Kyler Murray is largely viewed as the best quarterback left on the Steelers roster or Steelers schedule. Yeah. How how comfortable do you feel? See, I saw people that were already doing this, like doing the the Jersey swaps and putting a Steelers Jersey on Kyler Murray or Steelers Jersey on Herbert. And I'm like, number one, Herbert signed like a huge deal. Now, Kyler Murray, that team, they change, they change with the, the way the direction of the wind blows way I changed socks and underwear so they could have a new quarterback and head coach tomorrow. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think that team in general is it, they're, they're, in, they're better with Kyler as, as their quarterback, but is Kyler the quarterback I would want necessarily, especially for what he gets paid. Mm. If you would ask me two weeks ago, I consider it, but not coming off Kenny Pickett's best game. So there I, you go. I'm, I'm that, back on. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm still not, <laughs> I'm still not, Hey, you're still not going to get me a hundred percent gung ho. I know a lot of people, there was some criticism a few podcasts ago. You may not have been on it. It may have just been me and Brian. And I mean, Brian is not a Kenny Pickett guy whatsoever. And I am not a pit fan. I unfortunately drowned in my sorrows when that team up North, Oh, you're talking about officiating in a game and close calls, man. Shush, don't even get me started on that big game, the game on Saturday. So, but at least I'll take my W. Steelers won. Youngstown State won their first playoff game. So I'm in the driver's seat. Let's um let's jump over here. Uh and and I'm on the picket train. I don't think Pickett, do I feel he's a franchise quarterback yet? No, because you know what? Here's the thing I'll tell you. I was sitting with my uncle. I had my uncle in from out of town. We're watching Ohio State and, and that team up north. And like McCord throws a pass quarterback for Ohio state. Every play has got to be like perfect. And I'm just like, like, dude, like that's not how football works. So if Kenny throws one in the dirt, who cares? It's like these folks that want every single draft pick, a seventh round draft pick has to be a gold jacket in Canton. It don't work that way. It's just the numbers. It's like football is like, it's like a a game of chess. And sometimes you're testing the waters on certain things and something might not work or something might not get executed. Right. And there's so many, variables and factors that's why they call it the ultimate team game yeah and so, it's the players you see struggling that get that treatment extra hard because kenny has struggled massively especially this year so every mistake he gets is like or every mistake he makes is like amplified and under a magnifying glass you watch the better kenny pickett plays the less people will bitch about every single incompletion or every single misfire because you watch guys like jalen hurts josh allen lamar jackson justin herbert they all overthrow guys they all throw balls into the dirt. They all get intercepted, but it's the guys who are struggling worse that their mistakes get blown up and like, Oh my God, this guy can't play. So that's why I think also yesterday you saw a handful of those passes from Kenny Pickett, but they weren't as talked about and they weren't as like, Oh my God, this guy's falling because he was playing well enough that not every little mistake was killing the Steelers, which is the case if he's playing poorly. 
Yeah, I, I don't like hearing game manager either. It, I mean, Ben had a lot of gunslinger, a lot of like backyard football stuff. He also had like Heinz Ward. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. He had Plaxico to start too, did he not? His, uh, his rookie year, he had Plaxico. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and then Plaxico left in 05 for the Giants, I think. That sounds about right. So, second year, yeah. yeah ben only yeah. had him for one year. Yeah, but then he still had, he, he still had dudes. He had Randall L and, and some other guys that were, um, and when you get later on, like you, you just look at like some of those draft classes, they ended up with Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, like that whole group all at once. It's just like, yeah, and then be, yeah. And then people will be like, I saw some ridiculous comment yesterday too. That was like, this team has been so mediocre for the last 16 or 18 or whatever many years. Mike Tomlin's been a head coach. I'm just like, man, you guys got to give it a rest. I looked at the Buffalo Bills was that game. It was dry. It was pouring down rain against the Eagles. Hard fought game, but Josh Allen missed his guy in the end zone. It should have been like the the, the, the overtime rules are all different or whatever. But that should have been TD. And yeah, so Gabe Davis. Yeah, and kick a field goal. And so it happens, and now people will be like, "Well, is Josh Allen really as good?" Or I, like, we don't celebrate anybody anymore when they're successful. It's just everybody's got to tear everybody down. And I, I just, I don't like it. It just doesn't sit well. It's like, I'm happy to be in the seat that I'm in where the Steelers have never been wallowing in the mediocrity of all the different stuff. Imagine being like a Raiders fan and the legacy of that team. What have the Dallas Cowboys done like in the last 25, 30 years? Like they're not even a team that it took them how long a couple of years ago to finally win a playoff game. They had uh, Romo and all these other guys that they couldn't even get a playoff game out of them. And I understand that Steelers have been a minute, but that's an actual I've, I've long league. said, I'm, I'm happy to be, I'm very, uh, I don't take it for granted being a fan of a team that we're competitive every single year. Even when Ben blew his elbow out, we were fighting for a playoff spot. And you can call that loser talk. You can call that uh, complacency. You can, you can say whatever you want about that view that I have, but I know that we have it good because the Steelers are quote unquote, always good. They're, they're always competing for something. They're always giving the fans a reason to watch a reason to root. Do I want more than that? Yeah. Duh. It's human nature to want more. I, I want them to win a super bowl every year, but the fact that the Steelers and Tomlin are good enough that we're always in a position where we're always in the playoffs or fighting for a playoff spot. Like that can't be, uh, What's what I'm looking for? That can't be understated. Like those, those are good things. You you want that in your sports franchise. We always have a chance with Tomlin, yeah. TJ Watt. Imagine in the Patriots, and then in the way they should have went to overtime and missed the field goal, and they can't figure out who their quarterback is. They can't get any kind of quarterback. Play. Yeah, they suck now. I think Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football today. He got a nice little dig in. He kind of said it under his breath, but I heard him. He was talking about why the Steelers looked good yesterday. And he was like, and Kenny Pickett, like, thank God, you know, he's not Mac Jones. And I was like, yeah, that's right. He's not Mac Jones and he sucks. <laughs> Kenny at least is showing something. Uh, some couple, couple more notes because we didn't talk anything about the defense. I know they were playing a backup quarterback. You know, well, we got to talk against... about Trenton Thompson. Got to bring well, up Trenton well, Thompson. Well, that's okay. So we've got a number of guys here that were not starters or full timers. Full participation yesterday, 100%, all 43 snaps for DeMonte Casey, Alandon Roberts, Joey Porter Jr. Thompson plays all but one snap. Patrick Peterson plays all but two. Alex, Alex Highsmith plays all but three. Watt plays all but four. That's, uh, that's some pretty impressive stuff. That's some pretty impressive stuff. Michael Walker, 30, 33 snaps. 
Trenton Thompson, like I said, 42 snaps. Casey, these guys were playing. Where did Walker come from? Like, Dude, I'm telling you, if, he has if not that been a liability. ball doesn't go into Jamar Chase's hands, people are talking about Walker today like as if he could be a possible like starter long-term because this guy's been impressive in his limited action for the Steelers. I, I liked him when I looked up his uh, Atlanta Falcons tape from last year because he wasn't just some – I think people thought when they saw us activate this guy that he was just some practice squad wannabe, but he was starting games for the Falcons last year and played good football. And he's an athletic dude. He's a very modern day NFL linebacker. Um, I like what he brings. And I, people know by now how I feel about Trenton Thompson. I think he was a real steal coming in from San Diego state. Uh, the Steelers, same college as the Monte Casey, the Steelers got him off the giants practice squad. When they cut him, they picked him up. And he had an impressive preseason, and in his limited time as well, he's been very impressive. Of course, your eyes go right to the interception and the almost interception he had the week prior, but mm -hmm. it's also the tackling and the reading his keys and filling holes. He's a very good tackler. He knows where the ball's going. He's a, he's a heads-up football player. So uh, I think they have two possible diamonds in the rough here. I don't know how it looks for them like career wise, you know, I don't know how long the Steelers will have these guys in camp, but for so long after seeing your team filter through guys and, and put guys on the field that have no right being out there, I'm talking about other practice squad activations and, you know, guys like, um, who is that receiver from, uh, Clemson that we activated Dion Kane, him getting activated. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's plenty of examples on defense too, where the guy just, he gets to play and he gets picked on and just picked apart, whether it be in coverage, he doesn't know where he's going uh, in run fill. Um, so it's nice to see it kind of be different now with the Steelers where they're giving guys opportunities and these guys are actually seizing their opportunities. They're not just playing like a practice squad player. Yeah. Michael Walker. That's kind of an interesting one because he's not a tenured NFL um, is it three years or it's four years? Um, I believe in order to be a veteran four years, because then he would have been like subject to waivers and everything like that. So his contract status, he'll probably be like more of a free agent type, but it, more or less, it's kind of like, okay, they sign Eric Rowe. They sign miles Jack to the practice squad. What's that mean for Walker? What's that mean for Thompson? Um, Mark, I Robinson, think they're just depth. Just, I think they're just like insurance yeah. policies because the two of them, Thompson and Walker have played well. So there's no need to no liability. Them. You would think that replacing two of your 11 defensive guys and these guys are playing almost the full game is the, is the yeah. point here. Like it, it's, it's absolutely, it's mind, it's mind blowing to me that Walker could go in there and play 77% of the game. And he joined the team a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Steelers, been around. We're very lucky because I mean, Roberts has been gangbusters. Oh the yeah. Steelers, Alanda Roberts, but we're one injury away in that room to be in like, in a seriously bad situation. So the fact that they've been able to find a guy like Walker who can only not only play serious snaps, but play serious snaps. Well, it's a huge find. Well, look at what it was like. They changed this whole room during the off season. And yeah. that's a reason uh, immediately it's like, Oh, I had like that sinking feeling in my gut because you know what it looked like with Devin Bush and Robert Spillane and Miles Jack in some type of rotation and even pulling in Mark Robinson at some point. And Walker comes in there and it's just like, okay, let's go. Like, it's the status quo. And uh, you, you're missing Minka Fitzpatrick 
during all of this. And and Keanu Neal, you're missing both starting safeties. Like Neal pretty much just kind of leapfrog Casey is kind of like the, they always brought him in to be that third guy. And what? He's like 30 years old anyway. He's up there. So you kind of want to limit his snaps to begin with, I think, or any like Billy Patrick Peterson playing a full game that, you know, these, the elder statesmen. Uh, if they but, shut Keanu Neal down for the season and just say, you know what, dude, why don't you just get healthy? You won't hear any complaints from me because no. I think Minka Fitzpatrick, Devontae Casey, and Trenton Thompson are a really good trio. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Minka and Thompson and Casey to a degree, even though they're not viewed as like thumpers, like very physical safeties, they all tackle really well. And so you don't need a guy like Neil necessarily. So if he can't play yeah. the rest of the year, he won't catch me crying because I'm really high on Trenton Thompson. And Casey's a good player. I think Thompson, I was getting back to like the longevity of the contracts and some of the loopholes and things like that. I think he's somebody they could kind of control his contract or at least have him as some type of like restricted or exclusive rights. Like, like, uh, free like Mike Hilton for like exactly two years in a row. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like that, even though he had played a year before one game for the New York Giants, he appeared in in 2022. But I'd be remiss to not talk about all the other new guys. I mean, uh, you saw Baldy's uh, breakdowns. He was talking about the new Trenton Thompson, of course, the second year player, but pretty much new. Didn't play a whole one game, however many snaps last year with the Giants. You've got, we mentioned Broderick Jones, but Joey Porter Jr. Oh, I've got to find it. There's a statistic and I don't, I don't know that hey, I did, have it. Did Jamar Chase play yesterday? Uh, who's Jamar Chase? <laughs> I like it. Kind of the joke doesn't really work because we already talked about the tip passes he caught. But Joey Porter Jr. put the clamps on Jamar Chase. I don't think it's being talked about enough as it should because it's almost like the city of Pittsburgh and Steeler fans everywhere have almost gotten used to the fact that Joey Porter Jr. is really good. But the fact that he shut Jamar Chase down yesterday needs to be talked about more. Uh, Benton, Shawnee Benton had another good game. He's just continuing to stack good performances and show the Steelers have a, a knack for evaluating defensive line almost as well as they evaluate receivers. And Nick Herbig, dude, Nick Herbig hit Jake Browning so hard, I thought they were going to throw a flag. Yeah, uh, he he was part of that. Let's go to Porter real quick. I found it. So he held th – these were his assignments so far, being a starting corner. Huka Nakua, one catch on four targets, 22 yards, no score. In fact, no touchdowns for any of these guys. Devontae Adams, one of three for 12. Kelvin Ridley, two of four for 20. DeAndre Hopkins, one of five for 17. And then Shamar Chase, two of two for 36, which I think one of those may even been one of those tip balls we were talking about. You uh, don't the other do one that by accident. Beat. No, it'd be blind luck. I mean, broken broken clocks are only right twice a day. So that's <laughs> more than twice. It's five dudes that he's shut down that nobody else has had. Yeah, Kevin Ridley times. still. Kevin Ridley scored again yesterday. That guy's like on fire. But um, yeah, Joey Porter Jr. Solid. What what was the thing? We're banging our fist at the beginning of the year. Like, get these guys in there. Keanu Benton, just watch some of the film. Go find Brian Baldinger on X, the old Twitter, and watch some. We may have already retweeted it from StillCityUnderground.com. Make it easier for you to find. And he just he's washing people through. Like, I love watching this guy. It's hard to watch him sometimes with TV. Oh my God. He's just amazing. It's unbelievable. And he's only a rookie doing this. Imagine as he gets seasoned, he gets more experience. Like he's going to be the next kind of dude on that defensive line. Well beyond when, you know, Cam Hayward's playing days are over with um, when you're that size and you have pass rush ability. 
that mm-hmm. that gives you like an elite ceiling as a defensive lineman. So Keanu Benton, yeah, he could be the next Javon Hargrave, like you name it. The Steelers have that kind of potential with this kid. And you also had um you mentioned uh we mentioned Darnell Washington earlier, Nick Herbig. You mentioned uh, he, he um the way he defended that ball where uh, Jake Browning kind of scrambles and gets his hand up and like the speed. Now I noticed he was on the field. You know, and he took, he took Watt off because what did I say? Highsmith played the entire time, unless they had all three of them out there. And there's some folks that were talking about, well, maybe they should try him as an inside linebacker. And it's like, well, right now they don't have to do anything with that. But I, I like my only problem with Nick Herbig right now is, is like, the guys in front of them have huge contracts that are great players with Highsmith and Watt. Like, how do you get this guy on the field too? Because and Golden's good by all accounts know. too. Golden's a good player too. So yeah. like they have just a loaded room there, and it's pick your poison. It, it is it is funny when you when you put it like that, but it's not a bad thing by by any accounts to have two elite dudes in front of you, and then when one of them needs a breather, we got this fiery young hungry rookie in Herbig and. Nobody gets more excited when Nick Herbig makes a play than the Wisconsin Badgers Twitter account because they oh, love yeah. voting that the Steelers have him and Watt and Benton all on the same team. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I had one more. Let's see if I was going to pull it up because it had to do with TJ Watt and the numbers that he's putting up. Uh, two sacks of forced fumble. He leads the NFL in sacks again. I know that but by a half, but still counts. 91 sacks and 98 career games joining Reggie White who did it who did um to reach 90 sacks in fewer than 100 games Reggie White did it in 82 the old minister of defense Watt has 13 and a half sacks this season what week are we week 12 13 and a half all right what's that record he had that's 22 tied? and a half 22 and a half 13 and a half how many more has he got to go here Nine. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I saved this for for just this moment. We got Matt's or Joe <laughs> instead this is of what with you're Brian. missing on the YouTube people if you're not watching. <laughs> yeah, our our gra- graphic. You said what? Graphic design is my passion. Graphic design is my passion. <laughs> Thirteen and a half. Okay, twenty-two and a half is the record. Brian, where are you at? I need you here. He does the. He used to call it arithmetic when Brian was in school. So, uh, so you've got. Uh, what this was week 12 there's 17 games in a season so there's what five left and the Steelers have to face let's see who they're up against I'm like can he get nine we didn't think he could do it the previous year and he ended up coming out with it so Kyler Murray a scrambling quarterback most certainly that's capable I'm sorry six games left Mac Jones and or Bailey Zappi that's 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 easy that's highly doable Gardner Minshew uh he's he's sack prone he could yeah he um, could run into tj watt probably get jake browning one more time at home geno smith and then lamar jackson lamar jackson's slippery and if it is lamar and he lasts the full season so you got six games for nine sacks and he also on this uh on this uh, pr- uh press uh release from the national football league so he's second player since 82 Sack became a record to have at least 13 sacks in five of his first seven seasons. Also joining Reggie White, who had six of those first seven. And then he's had his 20th career game with at least two sacks, became the sixth player since 82 uh, to record at least two sacks in 20 or more of his first 100 NFL games, joining Reggie White, 
who had 29 of those games. <laughs> Reggie White is just a monster. Um, one of my favorite non-steals. I talk about Barry Sanders. I'm trying to watch the Netflix uh, or the Amazon Prime documentary during the weekend. I didn't get to finish it, but Reggie White might be up there as one of my favorite non-stealers. Richard Dent with 23. Bruce Smith with 20, as well as J.J. Watt J. J. at Watt. 23 and Jared Allen with 20 right on the nose. Um, he has a sack in 57 career games, which is tied with Aaron Donald for the fifth most career games with at least one sack in a player's first seven NFL seasons since 1982. Only Pro Football Hall of Famers DeMarcus Ware has 68 games and Reggie White 63, as well as Vaughn Miller with 61 and Miles Garrett 59 have uh, have more. So that is um, that is something else. So we'll see. He's, and- he's to the point where uh, he's in that zone where he just keeps breaking records that are like all close together. I feel like it happens every week. It, it's him breaking some kind of record or putting him at pace to break a record. And uh, they, they pant his brother, J.J. Watt, on CBS. Like, How does it feel, J.J., to watch your brother crush another record? It's, oh, it feels great. It's really humbling watching my brother break another record. It's Groundhog's Day. It happens like every week that he surpasses some accolade. Fastest player to 100 sacks in X amount of years. And it just speaks to how good he is because I, I it, it's hard to not take it for granted. But it's become kind of a slogan of mine and I say it in a joking way, but I'm not joking when I tell people, dude, as long as we have TJ Watt, we have a shot every game, as long as he's healthy and on his, on his best game, we have a shot. And you got Minka Fitzpatrick coming back soon. Cam Hayward's probably getting healthier as the weeks go. Um, you got the improvement from younger guys uh, like Benton and Porter. You have unproven guys like Walker and Thompson playing good ball for you. Patrick Peterson has quietly gotten better. There's really good reason to believe in this team going forward. After as low as we were last week, it's a complete 180. The NFL is a week by week league, and look no further <laughs> than this past these past two weeks for evidence of that. Absolutely, I wanted to find. I'm not going to find it fast enough as you say this. There was something you tweeted out yesterday. And you tweet too much, so I don't know that I'll find it. <laughs> um, it. It was something about like me getting ready for football after. Oh, 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 it was it was a picture of Tommy Lee giving a peace sign to a camera, like smiling. And I was like, me every NFL Sunday after swearing off my team the previous Sunday because I'm I'm ready for football, <laughs> baby. Like as low as I'll feel, I'll still want to watch. Yeah, I'm not going to find, like I've said, I just keep scrolling. My finger's about to fall off. Like there's too many highlights and on Mike Hilton's head, <laughs> all the locker room celebrations and stuff. But I, you had me cracking up for sure. So that's uh, the best compliment I, I can that. receive, dude. Yeah, because, you know, we were all ready to, like, just swear off of this team. And, you know, there are the people that were like, oh, see, you told you so. They weren't going to be able to keep this up with this offense. It's like, yeah, no kidding, dude. They got to do something. You were hoping it would turn the corner. But just um, play calling. I mean, it's still, like, it the playbook. But we didn't see a jet sweep. So, yeah. you know. And there, there, there were times, I mean, I saw a screen get blown up for minus five yeah. yards. But it's the Canada effect is gone. You know, every offense has a play call or two, a handful of play calls during the game that you might not like as a fan. Plays don't always work. But the relief I felt in a weird way 
when yesterday they had a screen get blown up for five yards. I was like, that sucks, but maybe that's the the worst play of the day. And it, it pretty much was. Outside of penalties, putting the Steelers behind the sticks, they never really found themselves in a situation where it was like second or third and really long yeah, unless it was penalty-related. Thank you, because I totally – I meant to make that comment earlier when we were talking about offense, and it was like everything was like a third and manageable. It made it a lot easier, I think, on Kenny Pickett. You 100%. Didn't have to, you don't have to wait for these longer developing plays, um, you know, to get to, at least to the chains or a little dump off that just doesn't get there. They were 47% on third down, 22 first downs, 15 of those by passing. It's all, it's all related, too, because – the closer they are, like if it's third and six or third and seven, even third and five, that is prime time, Pat Fryermuth time. That's middle of the field time, hook up in the middle, nothing too crazy. Kenny and the offense found a serious groove in doing that. And when you're behind the sticks and it's like third and 12 or worse, you can't do simple plays like that. So it all, it's all connected. Yeah. Uh, 68 offensive plays to the Bengals, 41. 37-17, I'm a possession over 22-43, about almost 15 minutes, a full quarter of football. Kept that defense fresh. They're going to need that uh, as they go ahead. Again, 421 yards of offense. Just um, That too, keeping the defense unreal. fresh. Nobody's talking about that, but I thought about that yesterday too. It was like in the middle of the game, I think we converted for a first down, and I was like, all right, cool. I don't know if we're going to score points here, but at least the defense is getting a break. Yeah, and it's sad to have to think that way. You were getting so used to over the years. You had Bell and Brown actually were doing these, like, I, I always thought it was kind of dumb to celebrate, like, a first down. Now you see everybody do it. They hold out the football and everything like that. So, yeah, I thought it was always cheesy. But, hey, you see it now, and it's like, oh, something to celebrate. Like, they got a first down, one of three that they'll Pat's, get when Pat, they score. Pat's a big first down guy. Pat does yeah. the, the point all the time. He loves it. And Deontay does the. Yeah. Everybody's got to have their little thing. It's all the way down I to college now. Wiping your nose and being like, yeah, that way. yeah, I don't know, man. And then it, Pickens it taunts. Yeah, that's all he does. Like I, that was kind of interesting too, because they were talking about, hey, Jamar, you might want to move out of the way, or you're gonna get flagged or whatever. That's about the only one I had left. Was I don't know if you saw it. Officiating was still bad in this game. Let's not kid ourselves. I there know was, there was one play. Highsmith got like tackled from behind, and I was oh, like, that's a hold. And they didn't throw it. I was like, that's not all. They tackled him from behind. It was when Jake Browning, he broke the pocket and dude grabs Highsmith literally like this. And you can yes. see his full like front of his jersey. He got spun that bad and they didn't call it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Firemuth fell. They said they tangled up. It's like you get oh, games where they'll yeah, call yeah. it. That's not the one I was upset about. Kenny Pickett, if you get like a chance to look back on one of these, took a shot straight crown of the helmet right into the number eight on his chest. Oh, spearing. Oh man. Did he ever with nothing called and yeah, the ball was already that. gone. Ball was already gone. I've seen much lesser called. And I was, that was like, I want to say that was late second quarter, maybe right before after. Cause all of a sudden I was like, Oh no, like this dude might be playing still with hurt ribs. And for whatever reason, they like they think that like he's still wearing number seven and he's Ben Roethlisberger, who never got the benefit of any of these calls. But I, I just kind of get sick of some of the roughing the passer type calls that you see um, in the NFL. I think you saw P.J. Locke, formerly of the Steelers, like, you know, preseason's pass. <laughs> yeah, I did. 
like he, he crushed uh thompson robinson on on a play too and it was like what else is the guy supposed to do there you know what i mean that was a hit uh yeah. he came with some speed but it was shoulder and everything else and you're just uh they don't really let him play but Steelers, anyways uh we'll put a ball on this Steelers, 16 10 you would like a little more points on the board be patient with it arizona cardinals at home two home games coming up cardinals and then a short week thursday night football once again with the new england patriots steelers improved to seven and four and it's a happy day oh what else could i say um they got some catching to do the afc leader right now is baltimore at nine and three so Mm -hmm. yeah we mentioned though on the last show baltimore has got some sledding to do some some tough sledding so uh, you don't have a whole lot of, uh, I mean, the Steelers and Browns are both at seven and four. No one else has seven wins in the AFC. That isn't one of the division leading teams. You have eight wins for the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Chiefs. And then the Broncos, Colts, and uh, Texans are all sitting at six wins. Or, as well as Buffalo, but Buffalo is six and six. They also have six losses. There's still teams heading into their bye week. Baltimore being one of those this week. So there's going to be a lot more to discuss a lot more to look forward to Zach. Thanks for joining me uh, after getting your fill of Turkey and whatever else you could. The Adam Sandler song like kind of comes to mind, but I am not, not going to sing that. I mean, W's what I'm eating. Oh, Oh, there you go. And the Escaloozer. I'm, I'm kind of upset. I didn't get to see that. Like I should have witnessed that in person. It is quite the sight. So. Oh yeah. It's worth the trip. <laughs> anyways folks that'll do it for us don't forget to like comment and subscribe until next time my name is joe his name's zach we encourage everyone out there to be safe be good and we'll catch you later we would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website www.steelcityunderground.com